Hello, everyone, and welcome to the America in Focus podcast, powered by the Center Square. America in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire service. To support great podcasts like this one, please donate by clicking the link in the show description. Joining me today is Casey Harper, the Center Square's Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief. How are you, Casey? Doing great, Dan. How are you? Doing well. We are recording this podcast on Friday, December 16th. Casey, all kinds of things going on related to the uh, border and illegal crossings there. Uh, Title 42, the Donald Trump era pandemic policy that allows immigration officials to immediately expel border crossers for fear of spreading COVID-19. It ends next week, December 21st. There's been a new surge in illegal border crossings the past few weeks. And many are concerned that once the Title 42 policy ends, it's going to get even worse. Tell us what's happening. Yeah, the border is is a pretty interesting um, case right now. And it's one of those kind of sad issues in American politics where it's a huge crisis. Both sides, you know, agree that it's not working well. And absolutely nothing gets done unless it happens in a lengthy court battle. <laughs> so, you know, that's how we are. We can become gridlocked in a lot of these issues like we were with abortion until the Supreme Court took it on. I think that's where we are now. All the battles with the border are happening at the court level um, because Congress just isn't able to come to any kind of agreement right now. So this, uh, and of course, executive action, I guess you could say it's executive action, but those are then challenged at the court level. So a Trump era order was um, Title you know, Title 42, which um, you mentioned. This basically, in the name of preventing the spread of covid uh, said that we could quickly expel migrants from the U.S. for fear that they would bring COVID in. I mean, they weren't vaccinated, but they weren't tested. We had thousands and thousands of people coming into the country. We didn't know if they had COVID or not. And this was at the height of lockdowns, of mask mandates, of everything. This was implemented. And so now, naturally, there is the question of, well, when do we get rid of you know Title 42? You could say uh, the COVID policy or the, the COVID you know pandemic is not as bad as it was. But we do still have, you know, preventative policies in place. I mean, like if you want to come into this country and you're not from the U.S., you do have to be vaccinated. I mean, you know, uh, if a a French citizen wants to come to the U.S. for holiday, they have to be vaccinated to come here to do that. So we do have um, policy, stricter policies for those who are not U.S. citizens to help, you know, hold off COVID. But the other kind of obvious reason that Republicans want to keep Title 42 is it's really – allowed border patrol agents to fight without having one hand tied behind their back and allowed them to get a lot of migrants, illegal immigrants out of the country quickly. And now that's set to expire. And so uh, the the thinking is that there are many, many migrants and, and then the cartels are aware of this policy as well that are just waiting for this policy to expire so they can send across, um, send across people. And as I've written about at the centersquare.com, I mean, this is directly tied also to um, drug trafficking and fentanyl uh, because, you know, I spoke to one former uh, head of the Department of Homeland Security uh, a while back, and he said that the basic strategy for these cartels is they will send across a whole flood of people, of just regular people. And then once the border patrol is kind of overwhelmed dealing with all these people, and then they take them back for processing, there's kind of a hole in the defenses there. And then they send through all the drugs. And so th- these issues, you can't talk about uh, immigration without talking about drug trafficking. You can't talk about this Title 42 without talking about both of these. So um, Title 42 is set to expire. It could lead to a surge in illegal immigration in a year when really illegal immigration has soared since Biden took office. We're talking record levels. We're talking thousands of people a day through certain 
you know, through certain towns. So it's really reached a crisis level and it could be about to get worse. Yeah. So, and that's, that's the big concern. There's been a huge surge, uh, in illegal border crossings since Biden took office because they essentially, um, uh, without congressional approval, uh, changed, uh, immigration enforcement policy. But the concern now is that there's thousands of people gathered, um, on the Mexican side of the southern border waiting for Title 42 to end. And what's already been a huge surge in immigration would get even worse. Um, in fact, we wrote at the centersquare.com today about Arizona officials, um, uh, vast concern about what's going to happen when it does end, uh, next week. <clears throat> Not prepared <clears throat> for the thousands of people that are expected to cross the border every single day, um, when it ends. Of course, both Texas and Arizona and New Mexico, uh, over the past two years, uh, have been dealing with the surge. Um, <clears throat> President Biden's policy um, has been to essentially release um, most border crossers into U.S. communities, and, and that's led to, um, you know, just public health concerns, uh, not because of COVID-19, just because of uh, uh, the infrastructure is not in place uh, here to, to deal with so many people coming across. Now, you, you know, you and I could talk about, well, COVID-19, most Americans you know, have moved on from COVID-19. We're no longer in a pandemic. All the restrictions that were put in place uh, are behind us. So maybe Title 42 for that, for that reason should end. But when the Biden administration is not following, you know, proper procedure and congressional, congressionally approved law with how to uh, deal with illegal immigration, Title 42 was really the one thing that was left in place <coughs> um, that kept what has been a surge from being worse. Right. You're hitting on something, which is, uh, I think a lot of Democrats would say, Hey, Republicans are not being good. You're not operating in good faith on this title 42 thing. COVID is not what it once was. And you're just using this COVID era policy to keep illegal immigrants out of the country because that's what your voters want. And that's ultimately what you want is to have lower levels of immigration and, and of course, an end to illegal immigration. And the, the Republican response to that Although this hasn't necessarily been vocalized, but I think this is what's happening. Reading between the lines is, um, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe this isn't exactly true to the spirit of Title Forty Two. But don't lecture us on good faith when you aren't enforcing the laws that Congress has put on the books, and when Biden has done everything he he can to allow illegal immigrants to come into the country and to stay into the country. One great, one really telling example that I think shows really the Biden administration's philosophy on this is they change the immigration and customs enforcement. So that's ICE. They changed the rules for ICE shortly after Biden took office. And this was, we reported on this, but a lot of people didn't report on this. They changed the rules for ICE and made it much, much harder for ICE to arrest and um, deport people. And basically, if you don't have like felony criminal record, um, the ICE is not really going to come after you during the Biden administration, which is a big change from the Trump administration. I'm sure the word has gotten out on that. So Biden basically made it where if you if you can get into the U.S., you know, you're probably not going to get deported. I mean, unless you're a violent, unless you're a criminal. And so when you make changes like that, uh, we're, we're actively have policies on the books at the executive administration that's not going to deport people, even though they broke, you know, broke the law coming into the country illegally. And for a long time, we've been deporting people for that. Countries all around the world deport people for that. So I think there's like a lack of good faith on both sides on this. You know, Biden's not enforcing the laws as they are. He's changing technicalities in federal law enforcement so that they don't have to do what 
Republicans would have them do. And so uh, this is, I think the border is one of the messiest issues right now in America. Of course, there's real, you know, lives at stake. I mean, people are, you know, hurt all the time at the border and not to mention the fentanyl and the, the overdoses there that we, we alluded to earlier. But yeah, there's definitely not good faith, but it's on, it's on both sides on this one. And because of just pretty much everything you said there, there are a group of uh, uh, Republicans in Congress who are calling for the impeachment of Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. In fact, you covered a news conference this week uh, where they essentially expressed uh, that sentiment uh, that Mayorkas has to go. Tell us a little about this. That's right. Um, Republican House lawmakers uh, gathered outside the Capitol building um, this week and basically called for Mayorkas's head. I mean, they not so graphically or so literally, but they called for the impeachment of the DHS secretary. They cited these just astronomical immigration numbers that you know we've referenced. Um, it's really been read, um, led by um, Representative Andy Biggs, a Republican from that state of Arizona. And so, and he's actually kind of, there's been a little bit of talk about him trying to make a run for a McCarthy spot. I, I don't think that's going to materialize, but it's something to keep an eye on. You know, he said, every day he remains in office, America is less safe. That's a quote from Biggs about Mayorkas. So they're talking about the safety. There definitely are, you know, safety issues, of course, again, the fentanyl. One thing that was talked about a lot during the Trump administration that we haven't heard about hardly at all since then is uh, MS-13 and really violent gangs um, and their presence in the United States and how they're using the southern border. I think that's in the mind of a lot of Republicans when they talk about um, the safety issue. But they, you know, they Title 42's expiration is on the horizon. I mean, the latest, you know, I think I've mentioned this earlier, but the latest Border Patrol data just shows, I mean, we're talking about, we're in the millions of people a year at this point coming across. And places like El Paso and the data are seeing thousands of migrants each day. You know, it's a Western town in Texas. It's not that big. Um, They're seeing thousands of people each day. You look at some border towns and there's just people can't. It's like, it looks like CHOP did in Seattle when all that was going on. I mean, it's just, just, there's camps of people. Um, it's totally out of control. And they're saying, Mayorkas, like you haven't done anything about this. Now, how much is Mayorkas' fault and how much Mayorkas is just taking orders from um, President Biden? I mean, you know, we will probably never probably know that. Right. And 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 also this week, just going to touch on this very briefly. So we because we got to move on, we've got other topics to talk about. But uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who's sort of been front and center um, in, in leading efforts to, to stamp down the uh, border crisis, um, he's called for an investigation into American-based groups who might be assisting um, uh, with the illegal border crossings and the surge um, there. He's saying um, uh, there, there are American groups who are working uh, potentially with the cartels, the Mexican cartels, in, in, in helping um, traffic human beings across um, the border. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But Casey, let's Let's move on. More inflation news uh, this week. While inflation does um, seem to be slowing down, there are certain areas of the economy that where costs continue to go up. One of those is food prices. Uh, they continue to soar. Tell us about the latest inflation data. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think I think that we really cover the uh, inflation data differently than everyone else. I mean, people often say, "Oh, this is what the top line number says." Biden is doing a little bit better or a little bit less. But, you know, we look through and see, well, what individual goods that really matter to people? Um, how are they faring? Are they getting a lot more expensive? You know, so we wrote about recently wholesale um, vegetable prices increased 38% in November. 
38 percent. I mean, if you own any kind of small business where you are you know buying or selling vegetables restaurant or something 38 percent increase in your cost is no joke at all so that's you know we're definitely seeing although inflation is slowing down we're seeing certain areas where it's still rising in some areas where it's spiking so for instance uh, another example would be grocery prices and this isn't just because of vegetables but grocery prices have risen 12 percent in the last 12 months which you know far outpaces even the normal level of inflation certainly outpaces um people's wages you know increase no one that I know, unless you changed industries, changed jobs, you probably didn't get a 12% raise in the last 12 months. So, you know, these numbers are higher. The food index overall increased um, half a percent over the month uh, with the same with the, you know, food at home index. So these are, uh, these prices are rising. It does vary. You know, energy costs have gone down from their record high. That's helped people out. Gas prices, you know, surpassed $5 a gallon in the summer. They've gone down, which has helped people out. Now, a lot of that has been helped by President Biden draining our strategic petroleum oil reserves. So, you know, we we did pay a price for those lower prices, but I think it did help. Now, whether I think we're going to start seeing this month and, and going into the new year, whether uh, those prices begin to rise again because of the the petroleum oil reserve, not it's not going to be helping us out as much anymore coming into the new year. And of course, OPEC, you know, Biden had his negotiations with uh, Saudi Arabia and OPEC, OPEC, which really apparently failed. I mean. Uh, on all accounts, it seems like they failed. So the OPEC has said that they are going to be um, releasing less oil, which will raise energy prices for us. So, you know, the top line here is energy prices are lower. Shelter prices are a little higher um, for people to have a place to live. Uh, food prices are a lot higher. And we're all waiting with bated breath on whether oil prices are going to shoot back up in the new year because of some geopolitical and, and things Biden has done. And, and because of continued of inflation. The Federal Reserve again this week uh, announced a new um, uh, rate increase, half percentage point this time, which is down from three quarters of a percent, but still mm-hmm. um, a rate uh, interest rates continue to go up. Tell us more about this. Yeah, this is the seventh rate increase for the Federal Reserve. Um, half a percent, as you said, is lower than some of the, you know, uh, three quarters as three quarters of a percentage increase we have seen, but it's still a pretty notable increase. And seven in one year is a lot. And it shows that for all Democrats, you know, posturing about inflation being transitory and not, you know, not as big of a threat as Republicans were saying, you know, in the last year, uh, when Federal Reserve raises rates seven times in one year, I mean, you know that they're taking um, the interest rate. They're taking inflation seriously because these raising these interest rates like this have a real real consequences. It does hurt the economy. We've some, seen some of the effects of that. I mean, the more and more you raise and the more you risk going into a recession. So it's really this balancing act the Federal Reserve is trying to do with they have a recession in one hand and they have inflation in the other. And they're trying to s- slowly get inflation kind of more under control without upsetting the recession apple cart and starting off, you know, setting off this course of events that puts the economy in a really bad place. And of course, when as interest rates go up, the cost of borrowing um, goes up along with it. If you're in the market for you know a new car, uh, a, a new home, um, the cost of buying that and borrowing money to purchase make those kinds of purchases um, is much much more expensive. So that what that does is essentially um, people who might be in the market for a new home or a new car or whatever. Uh, they might back off because of it, and that has an effect on the overall economy. Right, or like your—I know that you probably your personal loan, Dan. You got to buy um, 
to buy out all the Trump digital trading cards. I mean, the interest rates on that must have been astronomical. I heard you and our uh, producer <laughs> Cole talking about that uh, uh, pre pre uh, recording. I, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. What? Oh, so this is off topic, but I think our listeners will give will give 15 seconds to it. Trump had, said he had a big announcement coming. Big announcement. People are saying, "Is this the official?" You know some kind of presidential announcement? Is this a vice presidential announcement? What's going on here? Everyone comes. The big announcement is there are some new Donald Trump digital trading cards. Uh, so you can buy those for, uh, I don't know I mean, how much they cost. They're, um, they're only you know, they're digital only? You can't get a hard copy? Yes. No, these are digital trading cards. There's a picture of basically Trump looks like Superman. It's his head on the body of Superman, which the, the, the feedback I saw was kind of negative. It's like, hey, DeSantis just passed you up in the polls and this is what you're focusing on. You should be you know, making some big, bigger announcements, talking about policy, talking about uh, your message or something like that. I'm not, you're feigning, you're feigning your lack of interest, but I know that personal loan. Give me a, you know, a, a good, you know, hard copy of one of those things and I'll consider it. I don't want people <laughs> reading, but like the old, like the baseball card, you know, mm-hmm, Come on. Mm-hmm. can we get back to actual news? Yes, please. Because of inflation, because of um, soaring interest rates, because of, you know, the worker shortages, small businesses are reporting. Um, that they're having a tough time they're here heading into the holiday season. Christmas just, you know, just barely over a week away and small businesses are struggling. What you, you wrote about this at the centersquare.com this week. What's, what do you know? That's right. So, uh, but the small business, small business report, Goldman Sachs, they talked to, you know, hundreds of small businesses said, Hey, what are you guys struggling with? They keep up with this. They have a network of, you know, thousands of small businesses that they work with and, uh, 52% of those surveyed small businesses say their profitability has not met expectations, even while 79% have increased prices compared to last year because of inflation. So that's a pretty you know, noteworthy thing that over half of small businesses haven't met their goals, haven't met expectations. Um, 40% said that demand has decreased compared to last year. So the, and only 33% said it has stayed the same. So, you know, uh, well over two thirds say either demand is stagnant or even more than that, you know, has decreased. Um, they also said that larger businesses are better able to handle the pain of inflation. That's how small businesses perceive it. You know, 84% of those surveyed believe bigger retailers have a competitive advantage in this holiday season due to their ability to better withstand inflationary pressures and low, offer lower prices. So bigger retailers, you know, they can afford to make less money. They can, uh, the bigger retailers have access to more um, funding via loans and investors. So, you know, often, um, you know, we see that bigger retailers and things like COVID, for example, they will just get, get some loans, batten down the hatches and just weather it and take a few years of losses, driving out their smaller, driving their smaller competitors actually out of business. And then when they come out of the storm, they raise prices and the market is more clear and they can actually remake those profits. Um, so that's the kind of, that's the thing you have to watch out for when smaller businesses and large are facing off against larger businesses. And in this case, these small businesses are saying that's exactly what could happen this holiday season. Yeah. And with the possibility of us heading into a recession, small businesses employ, um, you know, more of more than half of us workers. And, you know, with the looming recession, as many economists say is, is coming. That's, that's kind of scary. Uh, and what that's going to mean for jobs and for the economy overall. Casey, we have time for just one more story here. Um, uh, uh, more than a year after uh, President Biden's, uh, what many call disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, 
um, uh, the new uh, uh, Republican oversight chair is demanding an investigation, demanding accountability for it. What happened this week here? Yeah, I mean, in one sense, there hasn't been a lot of updates on the Afghanistan withdrawal. I mean, we know some of the facts on that. We know 13 U.S. service members were killed in that withdrawal. We know that the Taliban um, almost immediately took control of the country. We know from polling um, data that Afghani residents report more suffering than in years past, that the educational opportunities for for women um, have really plummeted. We know there's been a pretty oppressive Taliban regime that's taken over. Billions of dollars of military equipment were left behind by the U.S. military that went into the hands of the Taliban. So all these facts are pretty established at this point. Um, and, And I think what Republicans are saying that's new is, hey, we're getting this majority um, come January, and we're not going to let this go. We're not just going to say, "Well, that that was unfortunate," and move on. We're gonna we're gonna press into this. We're gonna see how did this happen? What was the planning? I mean, did we know it was going to be this bad? Was there something we could have done to prevent it? Those kinds of questions. And so, um, James Comer, the new uh, going to be the new chair of the House Oversight Committee. He's a Republican from Kentucky. He sent a, a string of letters to the. Um, to several Biden administration officials asking questions about this very thing. And so I think really what's what's noteworthy here is that um, Republicans are prioritizing this Afghanistan withdrawal in the next two years when they look at what they're going to investigate. I think what they're looking at is COVID origins. You know, what, what went down with COVID, they're looking at the Afghanistan withdrawal and they're looking at um, Hunter Biden's laptop. So when we think about the next two years, I think that's what we can expect to see Republicans fo- focusing their investigations on. Thank you, Casey. Now, let me just go back to something that, that's really not newsworthy that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. You say I could get a, 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 a Trump digital trading card for $90? <laughs> Our producer Cole told me he's 99. 99. We can fact check him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have, still have some Christmas shopping uh, to do. I have a couple members of my extended family that maybe I'll look into that. Yes, yes, yes. You could... Uh, <laughs> Um, you could ask for your Christmas bonus and cards. All right. <laughs> That's all the time we have. We need, uh-huh. to, we yeah. need to end this debacle. Uh, a reminder to our <laughs> listeners, you can find all of the Center Squares podcast at americastalking.com. Take a look. Please subscribe. There is no cost. This has been the America in Focus podcast for Casey Harper. I'm Dan McCaleb. Join us next week for our special Christmas edition week of the America in Focus podcast. Talk to you later.